Hello everybody and welcome back inside a very happy Shark Tank. My name is Lewis and I am joined by my co-hosts as always, Alex and James, to discuss this little matter you may have heard of, of Sale beating Scarlets in the Champions Cup round of 16 by 57, yeah that's correct, 57 points to 14. Uh, Alex, I assume you are feeling as upbeat and as positive as I am this Easter Monday. Oh, how can you not be? Best game of rugby I've seen us play since uh, I was in the back row of the top tier of the stand at Twickenham in 2006, sort of thinking I could see uh, see us winning the Gallagher Prad, yeah, or whatever it was called back then, yeah. Unbelievable game of rugby. Uh, great way to finish the Easter weekend. James, I assume you're feeling the same as well. Yeah, I mean, I've got memories of us going to Claremont and winning. Um you know, when they're in their pomp. Uh, Scarlet's aren't quite Claremont, but to win away from home in the way that we did, massive statement for sale that, you know, we are going to be contenders on both fronts for the next few years, I think. So unsurprisingly, the sale fandom um, are ecstatic. You know, everyone was in a, such a great mood yesterday evening um, off the back of, uh, you know, what was a, a, a tricky encounter and one that genuinely the majority of, of uh, ourselves and, and sale fans will have considered um, unlikely uh, to win. You know, away from uh, away from home in Europe is an extremely difficult place to win no matter where you're playing. And obviously the nature of sales win uh, is something we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today because it was dominant. Um, but as always, we've got some three word reviews to do first, which will kick us off and give us some talking points. Not that we need any. Um but we always want to get our listeners' thoughts on on games, especially when they're uh, so significant as, as that result yesterday. So, uh, at Simon Fedick, uh, Pro 14 is dreadful. Uh, Charles Edwards, expert dragon slaying. Will Townsend, uh, rampant clinical glorious. Ben Walsh showed killer instinct. Edward Birch, clinical, there's that word again, ruthless, joyous. Uh, ben Goodlad, uh, Scarlet's blown away. Uh, Jack Worthy, Wonka's golden ticket, uh, Lexity, that was insane. And finally, Nicola, uh, Hog Roasts Reds. Um, let's let's start with that one then, James, uh, in that Nicola has quite rightly pointed out a man-of-the-match performance from Aka van der Merwe, who scored two tries in a, in a dominant first half. Um, we could go through the team, 1 through 23, and, and you know, applaud everybody for the performance because they were all that good. But on the day... In a game in which Sale are winning by forty-three points, what were the, what were the differences on the day? You know, is it individual performances like that of Aka uh, and, and AJ McGinty, or is it you know uh, a collective effort? Well, I think that to to a man, people put in some of their best performances of the year. So when you get that happen all at once, you know, it was just kind of and Sanderson alluded to it. I mean, we just ran red hot. You know, we're not going to do that every week and we can't expect to. And I think it's very important for people listening to this pod that we take a step back. We ain't going to play like that because you're not going to have 15 players putting their best performances of the year at the same time. Um, also, I thought that Scarlet's reintegrating their Wales stars was a complete failure. We talked about that in the preview um, last week, but we talked about it more in a positive way, but also bringing some selection decisions. Interestingly, they went Steph Hughes, didn't they, in the centre, not Jonathan Davis. So they obviously had some real selection problems and I think physically they just didn't they just didn't turn up and Ken Owens talked about it at the end. 
just they were completely dominated. Um, it happens every now and again, doesn't it, where you just don't get off the bus. And I think they were caught completely cold. Uh, the international stars just weren't expecting that level of intensity coming back into the club environment. And their, their other club players just haven't been playing at that level of intensity during the Six Nations, whereas the Premiership does, does carry it on. I think the Pro 14 has its pluses and its minuses. And, you know, uh, there are Pro 14 teams, especially the Irish sides, who have performed very well in Europe. So I don't think it's it's just, well, they're always going to be crap in Europe. I think the problem is during this, when, whilst the international periods are going on, because there's less like professional players, it really degrades the competition when they play on during international periods. And this is just really bad timing for them straight off the back. Um, so, yeah, all of those things. But I think the biggest point and the final point I'm just going to make on this is that was the first time that I've seen Sale perform like a machine in the way that Exeter and Saracens have done over the last few years where everyone had a job, right? So just thinking about the box kick, something really, really simple from a base of a rock. Everyone does it. Caterpillar, people put their legs out, all the rest of it. We put two people into the Caterpillar. Second person arriving extends their leg back. Third person arriving does that lazy kind of half kind of off, you know, offside, blocking the charging player so that Faf or whoever's playing to come off and get their kick away. And it was just that you could see each player just just sort of just fitting into that role. It didn't matter who rocked up, whether it was John Luke or Will Griff John or whoever it was, they all just did their their job. And it was like watching a machine. And um, and I know that people probably want us to play like Bristol or Quinns, but I'm telling you, if we can play like Exeter and Saracens every week and bring the physicality, it's also a beautiful thing in a very different way. And I thought it was a beautiful thing. We, you know, we were so physically dominant that we were able to score all those tries. And Alex, you know, I think James has put out some great points there in terms of um, some of the issues Scarlet's obviously had on the day. Uh, you know, with with the playing personnel on the pitch, and and perhaps you know that contributes to the reason why the deficit was ultimately so large. But I don't want to bury the lead here and kind of ignore just how dominant Sale were. And, and James has kind of alluded to to that machine mentality that that kind of came through. And I guess the first question I want to ask to you is: um, a lot of people are saying this is the first time it felt like Alex Sanderson's Sale. Uh, it felt like you know Axe's imprint and, and fingerprints were, were all over this performance and, and this team. Do, do you agree with that, or do you think this is actually something we could have seen under previous management? It was just as James mentioned, um, all of the players you know putting together their, their best out in the, of the season at once. I think absolutely that it's part, it's you know certain players having great performances together so i think it was one of fast best performances in the sales shirt and he performed like he does for south africa tom curry brought exactly the level of intensity he was playing for with england to a sales shirt and i think the best i've seen of faf and tom curry generally has been on the international stage they haven't necessarily done that sale that much they've been very very good obviously but never like Boss the game like they did um, yesterday. So I think that was part of it. But I think what also struck me, the whole game, and I, I do think this is partly Sanderson, is the confidence we played with from kind of minute one. Um, and I don't think we would have historically had that under Dimes because of that underdog mentality. And I think what Sanderson brings is, you know, if we were under Dimes in an away game in a Heineken Champions Cup you know, knockout round, 
we'd sort of it, the narrative before the game and everything would be, oh, you know, we're we're not expecting to win. We're going to go there. And we're going to give it our best shot. And and actually, you know, we wouldn't have in this game. Ten minutes in, fast throwing passes through his legs. You know, and I think that just epitomised the confidence of the team to play. You know, and and but the thing we did is we played entirely in Scarlet's heart. See, it's fine to throw a pass through your legs at there because you're not doing it in your own twenty-two and risking turnovers. And I just think that confidence seemed to breed a more confidence throughout the rest of the team. It meant that we won the game like collisions every time. It meant that you know the bounce of the ball felt like it was going our way, but Faf had the confidence to box kick when he needed to and he found so much grass and in contrast to that Scarlet's looked like a team who didn't have any of that confidence because they had half a team of of uh, you know the players they've been playing for the last six weeks Scarlet's, and then half a team come back in from the, the Welsh side and I think you know we have done that multiple times brought in a raft of international stars at once um, not necessarily because they've been away, but, you know, at the start of the season or that Quinns game when the Premiership restarted, we were completely guilty of that. We played our strongest team you know, on paper. And the difference, I think, in this, and I think Sanderson was right, is that that team that we put out have been playing together virtually, you know, and we, t- we taught so much about changes, but that team has been quite settled over the last few weeks. And we had a few tinkers. We brought, we brought Rohan back in last couple of weeks. We brought Tom Curry back in. But other than that, you know, the front row has been playing together. The second row has been playing together. Um, Faf and AJ played together. So I just think everything went right on the day. But to answer your original question, I don't think we would have had the confidence to play like that and the players to kind of express, express themselves as they did under Dimes. I think the mentality would have been different. And I think that's what Sanderson brings. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. We're nowhere near Champions Cup level yet. We had a brilliant performance against a poor Scarlet's team. But I think it's the indication and the mentality of we are now going for the Champions Cup. We are not treating it as, oh, we get to have an away day once a year. We're, you know, we will go into the next game against La Rochelle and it'll be that same mentality of we're here to win and we are good enough to win. And if we play like that, we will win. I, I agree completely in that you, you can see the seeds of where Sale are going to be. Um, in in a year or two's time, you know, being planted at, at the Parky Scarlets on, on on Sunday, and I think, you know, and James, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as someone who's watched a lot of Saracens. I thought what we did so well uh, on Sunday was was actually play the team in front of us, and and that seems like a very very obvious thing to say. But one of the things that was very noticeable from the beginning is that Scarlets um, weren't necessarily um, playing with many players in their backfield. The defensive strategy they had was to flood the defensive line. And that actually led to a lot of space uh, in behind, which actually De Klerk, McGinty, Simon Hammersley did it at one point. They were able to kick out of hand and find a lot of space. And we saw the, the benefit of, of Marlon Yard and, and Byron McGuigan etc chasing down those, those loose passes it's one of the reasons why in the first half sale had over 60 percent of, of the territory even if possession was was uh, you know about 50 50 um and and so you know what, what i'm kind of keen to get your thoughts on on here james is that um what what do you think what do you think is different about the sale team uh, in that they are playing um not a team full of welsh internationals but a team that was so disorganized on the day 
um, that didn't necessarily play with much intensity, that didn't seem to be playing with any accuracy. I mean, what, what kind of stood out the most from you in terms of how we actually managed the game, particularly in that first half, to build a 23-point lead uh, you know, at, uh, at the halftime break? Well, I think it's just the way that we kept the intensity up for the full 80 minutes. It was like we had the, our foot on their throat and we just never let it off. I've not seen Sale do that, I mean, possibly ever, certainly certainly since 2006, to play 80 minutes at a sort of international intensity. I genuinely do think that's what it was. You know, people like Langdon, Rob Dupria, Cam Neal came off off the bench, even Cooney Eustazen, and they were physical and they they just they they came on and they played at the same level of intensity as the people that are replaced. And and the Scarlets just didn't have any breathing room. And the truth is about rugby, right? And this is what Alex Anderson talks about all the time. It's bloody simple. You smash it, you win the collisions, yeah, and it and, and everything else becomes easy, including kicking into space behind Lewis. Um, because you know everyone's retreating, the whole defensive line is retreating. The the, the back three don't know whether they're going to be covering line breaks or whether they're going to be fielding kicks. And that's very difficult. And you've got you've got someone like Lee Halfpenny, who you know certainly maybe not in the last sort of eighteen months, but for most of his career has been the best defensive fullback in the world. Yeah, I mean he has been defensively under the high ball, the tackling, his tactical decision making and positioning is is second to none as a fullback. And we and, and Liam Williams, who's also played a lot of fullback for the Lions, you know, that he looked completely outsourced, Liam Williams. I mean he, he I mean, I do feel sorry for their backs as a whole because their full pack got so completely annihilated, there's not a lot they could have done. But I did talk about Dan Jones, you know, not being really of the highest quality and you know, if you get battered as much as you do, and you've got a ten who's not really good enough, then you, you you're in trouble. So yeah, that that I think it was that level of intensity of the thing that that has that has changed, and that's exactly the way that Saracens used to do it and be able to pick. You know, what I really liked about sales performance, not just that intensity, because we 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 can play at levels of intensity for short periods. What we've lost is our heads, and it becomes more frantic. Right? What I loved about it was how it was so controlled. It was intense, but everything was completely controlled. And I don't want to. I, I want to. I, I will just jump into just naming one person because, because I, I think he epitomizes the whole thing, and that's Jean Luc Dupree. And we've talked about the balance in the back row a lot, and the stats bear it out. I mean, it is factual when the du, two Dupreeers have played together, we've lost every single time, uh, apart from once, which was last week, which we won by a point. But where I think he's really improved is. He he's become really controlled in the way that he plays. He's not trying to kill everybody. He's not trying to have a rut clear out that just you know puts them back onto their ass. You know he's doing what needs to be done. It's almost like Sanderson sat him down and said, "I want you to focus on being the foil for everyone else, not the front man, not the superstar. I don't want you to stand out. Yeah, I want you to have a game where I'm pulling you off at sixty minutes." And people go, oh, bloody hell, he's had a good game, actually. But we haven't noticed him at every ruck, every ball carry, every offload. You know, you don't have to off, you know, beat six players every time and then go for an offload every time. Just unless you're 100% certain about a clear out, about a tackle, about an offload, you don't do it. 100%. And he's got the physical attributes. And that's just so, it's been so brilliant to watch that actually, you know, if he can change the way he plays to fit into the Sanderson mould, it just goes to show what the potential of this team is, I think. Um, and it won't always be beautiful because we're not always going to play like that and score 50 points. Sometimes we'll only score 18 points and win. But it, it, it it's just the way that it plays. It's functional. 
and no one makes mistakes. And I think that's what it was like. I'm going to have to do a bit of a victory lap here because I've been saying privately and publicly that I do think that the two Dupriers in the back row can work together with the right sort of players around them and with the right sort of system. And, you know, the fact that you're calling out John Luke Dupree again, James, is kind of testament to the, the sea change that has happened um, in uh, in the sales squad and on certain individual players, such as John Luke, in, in the last couple of months since um, uh, since Anderson came in. And actually, Alex, you know, you're sat there wearing a British and Irish Lions t-shirt, and I want to talk to you about someone who's probably going to be a, a big part of the, the forthcoming Lions test, which is Tom Curry, because once again, you know, we kind of saw this sale team stepping up a notch in, in a game that matters when uh, when one of our tier one internationals came back. We saw it when Lou Diaga returned to the squad and, and he brought something to the to the team. And we saw it again on Sunday with, with Tom Curry. And you mentioned him off the top. And I just want to get your thoughts really on, on kind of, you know, how he performed, given that there's a lot of focus on him at the moment. And, and, and what it is that he does that unlocks players like Jean-Luc and Dan Dupria, Kobe's Visa, etc., to spend all their time smashing the Scarlets back and, and opening the game up for the rest of our team. Yeah, well, it's just the the intensity he brings in every carry, but also the accuracy in what he does. You know, he doesn't make mistakes. And I think that's kind of been the case since he came onto the scene at, you know, about five years old or however old he was when he made his debut. Um, it, it's just insane how composed he is and what a leader he is. You know, I think you can even see it on the field. There was times, you know, where there was a Scarlet's Mall um, that went down and probably should have been our scrum, but the ref gave it to them. And he's just straight back into everyone saying, really good discipline, well done, let's go again. And it's that kind of composure. And I think what he's gained from being around the England setup, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, Eddie Jones has a lot of criticism for bringing people into that England setup and, and then not playing and people thinking that's a waste of time. And I don't think Tom Curry's game has necessarily improved. Um, under Eddie Jones and, and for being around England, you know, I think he's lost a bit of the the pace and he's put a bit of bulk on. He's a much better carrier now, but I think his, what he was brought in that England side to do is a seven over the ball. It's probably fallen away a bit. But the, the mentality he brings, and it is that kind of, it's something we've not had for a long time at Sale, which is an international winner. And someone who goes out, you know, Ian McGeegan talks about test match animals. And I think he's just got that mentality that we win. With, you know, he's not a someone who's been brought up through the Sale Academy and goes, oh, I'm happy to get a few games and play at premiership level. And if we get into the sixth, it's fine. He is there to, to win things. And and I think that feeds into the rest of the team as well. Um, and, you know, I think that that's such a massive part of, of having those international players, which we, which is probably what we lacked for a long time. But then on the field as well, you know, he is a threat at every breakdown. And he didn't actually, you know, I think he won one turnover maybe, um, which was because Johnny Williams dislocated his shoulder when he went to ground. So he didn't have, you know, that impact at the breakdown, but his carrying, his, his support players and saying, you know, that crossfield kick where Hammersley um, should have scored, he's the the next one there after, after, um, Baron McGuigan, who plays on that wing. So I think, you know, he's just, he's everywhere in the same way that Faf is sort of everywhere and in the face. But honestly, the the maturity he shows week in, week out for his age, it's scary. And 
he's got to start for the Lions because, you know, he is probably one of the best players in the world at the moment. Um, and to have him in a sales shirt playing like that, it's, it's just a privilege, isn't it? You've got to enjoy it while you see it because, I mean, we, when was the last time we had a player that good playing for sale? Um, you know, before Tom Curry and Fafta Clerk, you know, I, I probably I can't even remember. I think, uh, yeah, you, you you go in back ten years easily before you reach someone who's of that not just uh, Champions Cup quality, not just Test quality, but but a little bit beyond that as well. And I thought that combination between the Curries and and the two Dupriers looked looked unbeatable, um, unsurprisingly on on Sunday. And, but Alex, you mentioned you know we know watching one of the best best players in the world week in week out for sale. So we, it's only fair that we talk about another one, and that's obviously American superstar AJ McGinty. Uh, a record haul. This is a club record. Thirty two points for AJ McGinty on Sunday, which is a record for a sale player in a Heineken Cup competition. It's also a record for a sale player in any competition, passing Danny Cipriani, who had the previous record, who scored 28 points against Oyanak back in 2013. Uh, so massive well done to AJ. He's now uh, got his place in, in sales history forever, or at least for, for a long time. James, you know, we, we've obviously gone, well, actually, I say we've gone hot and cold over AJ McGinty. We haven't. We, we love him on this podcast. He's great. Um but you, you talk about playing with confidence. You talk about playing with intensity. And, and the fact that AJ McGinty kicked 10 of 10, uh, he was knocking penalties over, he was knocking conversions over, he was creating tries, um, he was scoring, you know, he was, he was creating openings uh, for others to score tries. I mean, um, how important is it for Sale to get performances like that from their 10? Um, and, and how important do you think that was, again, in establishing not just a win over Scarlets, but the fact that we won by 43 points? Well, I think it just goes to show that when you win the battle up front as convincingly as we as we do, you know, you, you don't need a Jalabert at 10 to score loads of points. I mean, you know, England fans should know that more than anyone else. I mean, Johnny Wilkerson was a was a reasonable attacking fly half, but, you know, he did the simple things really well and he kicked all of his points. And when you're behind packs like Toulon in England, I mean, that's, that's what you need to just kill off teams. And that's what McGinty did. I mean, I love this spiral kick as well. We've not seen much of that um, before from him. Shows a real confidence. And don't underestimate the little form that Rob Dupree has been finding from a very dark place about three months ago. And, you know, he, he's been given little snippets um, coming off the bench, replacing McGinty. Then we suddenly picked him for two or three games in a row from nowhere, last two or three games. Started to get the, 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 the team ticking in attack. Um, and you know, don't underestimate. This is what squads are all about. You know, McGinty knows he's got to turn up and put in a bloody good performance because really, Rob had a reasonable argument for being in possession of the shirt. Uh, you know, and I think that that's helped lift his performance. And I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, how he didn't get man of the match was beyond me. I mean, you, to score that many points in your game and 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 do a club record and play the way he did as well. I mean, he wasn't just you know, falling over the line, scoring tries and tapping things over. I mean, he was, he orchestrated the whole thing and, and he was the best player on the pitch. And, uh, you know, you think think about some of these diamond signings and uh, they remain still very important under Sanderson and McGinty is one of those. Absolutely. Well, we're getting into it now and I do want to open this up and to talk about some individual performances because in a... In a um... 
in an afternoon of, of, of fantastic team performances uh, all around, there's obviously players that do jump out. We've already started discussing them. Um, a couple that I just want to actually pick out um, for very different reasons first, uh, though. Um, Kobus Visa and Josh Beaumont, who I both thought had seven and a half out of ten games. Uh, very unnoticeable. But how, how good is that when you're... Uh, you know, your unnoticeable players are, are putting in performances like that. I thought Visa in particular, very active in the first 50 minutes. I noticed it's a bit of a trend with how we're using our locks at the moment. We have one, uh, typically that in the, the number four role, who gets very involved in the carrying early on, and then he gets swapped off at 55 or 60 minutes, which is what happened on Sunday. He was replaced by James Phillips. But I thought Visa was kind of everywhere, and he, he's um, in, in that first half and was a big reason why we were so dominant up front. And Josh Beaumont again, really, really good, really good game in terms of calling the line out. Obviously, there's news around Lou Diaga uh, suffering a, a broken leg in training. We'll talk about that momentarily, but I think you know that is uh, a bit of a confidence booster in that actually the line out has gone very well with Langdon and Beaumont working together, or Acker and Lude for, for obvious reasons. So it's really good to see. Uh, the Acker Beaumont combination working very well, and, and like I said, even if uh, he, he didn't appear uh, throughout the game until his try uh, at the end, you know I thought Beaumont had a really good game, kind of un, under the under the hood, uh, along with Visa. Uh, and then lastly, Rowan van Yandy van Rensburg, who I thought had his quietest game in a sales shirt. And Alex, I'll use this as a jumping off point for you. When you're beating a a team in a knockout European game by 43 points and Rowan van Rensburg, who's probably our biggest difference maker on the pitch, is having his quietest game ever. I think that is a testament to just how good everybody else uh, was on, on the day. Do you, do you think that's a fair assessment of uh, Van Rensburg's performance? Yeah, and I think part of that is as well because the forwards were just so dominant and Faf and AJ were so tactically dominant that we didn't need Rohan to get us over the line because all we did is kick Scarlet's back into their 22 and say, right, you, you're supposed to be able to run it from everywhere, run it from there and let's see how you go. And, and they couldn't. Um, and I think what's what's yeah most impressive about that is that we could bring Rohan off and and you know we've barely had to use him. He's barely been involved in the game, but next week against La Rochelle, he's going to be fresh. He's going to be ready to go, and and you know he'll probably that's when he'll he'll make the difference. You know, and he'll have maybe a moment of of you know running through the defence. But I think you are right in that as much as we can try and pick out individual players like like Rohan. What actually made this performance great is that the defensive strategy, which basically got us all our tries again, um, was sort of every player, and, and James talked about at the top, fitting into that system. And Rohan actually, you know, put some really good defensive pressure on, on Scarlett as, as part of a defensive line that meant that they made mistakes which led to our tries um, and you know it, it'll never get noticed it sometimes gets I think Chris Ashton picked it up in commentary um, once or twice but it's just you know everyone does their job in that defensive line and causes chaos in the Scarlet's rank and you know once it happens once it starts happening again and again and again and there's just that, that intensity builds and that pressure builds and I think we sort of, we took ourselves, we, it was very odd, wasn't it? Because we sort of took ourselves very slowly away from Scarlet's. And even at half time, you sort of felt not done that much, but we've had a couple of opportunities go our way. Um, 
the best thing we did in that in that first half for me was not let them score in the final minute because that would have changed the complexion of the game coming out of the second half. And actually, we nilled them in their own at their own stadium in the first half. So you can and some players had really really good performances, and we, we said that that some played their best of the season. But I think you're right in that it's really hard to actually pick out a, a, even a man of the match because so many people just formed that system that you looked at him when, God, you wouldn't have changed any one of them. One to 23, everyone did a job and did it well and executed it accurately. And, you know, there wasn't, you know, Rohan has a habit of carrying the ball into contact and dropping it and, and making mistakes and just, you know, didn't make any mistakes throughout the whole game. He didn't rush out the defensive line and miss a tackle like he did against Wasps. You know, it's, it's that kind of accuracy, I think, that, you need in this in this competition particularly, and and you know as we say we we're not there yet, and you know we're not going to play that well every week, and we're not going to make that few mistakes every week. But you know if we can do it now, think about where we'll be in a year's time, in two years' time, if we keep this squad together. It's um, it's so encouraging to to think about that going forward because I think it'll be you know two years' time. If we've got the same squad, it's going to be so exciting to watch us. Did Did anyone else catch your eye specifically then, Alex? Because after that, there's two more points that I want to get James's thoughts on. Uh, I thought Byron McGuigan was absolutely incredible in this game. I thought he was beating defenders, you know, no trouble at all. His defensive work rate and and his reading of the line and and that that kind of that side of his game that we know is so good was brilliant. He just he just looked, you know, like he was so up for it and everything he was involved in was positive contribution. Um I thought Bevan Rod had a superb game as well. Uh, you know, again we forget how young he is for a prop, but you know, the only issues in our scrum came from Will Griff John's side really. Um Bevan Rod was was superb. Um thought Cam kneeled off the bench. There was a, there's just before their second try, uh, Liam Williams runs through a gap and you know, we were 40 points up or whatever we were, you're thinking, right, well, he's going to get through there. And Cam Neal makes a superb tackle on a British and Irish Lion um, that he has realistically no right to make. Um, so I thought that was brilliant. And uh, we've talked about it already, but I thought AJ McGinty was just incredible. And, I mean, to kick 11 out of 11, and some of them, that Marlon Yard try, it was just a ridiculous conversion um, to make. So that obviously that side of his game is brilliant. But then... His defensive work rate as well. Again, there's a moment in the first half where he he shoots out of the line because he's in that outside centre position, makes the tackle, and I think it's Johnny Williams, um, and then gets back up into the defensive line and then goes again into into the fly off. Um, who because he's then tackled him again, hit him in the line. He throws that stupid back out out the hand pass into touch, and it's that it's been highlighted before, but AJ's. Ability to make a tackle and get back in the defensive line and make another one for a 10 is just so, so valuable. But I think that spoke to the whole system in the way that whoever was on the outside knew they had to get up into that outside channel and stop the pass going wide. And it didn't matter whether it was a 10, whether it was a prop, whoever it was did the job. And because everyone did the job, Scarlet couldn't get round us and then either made mistakes or kicked it away. Um so, yeah, but I think Byron and Bevan Rod were the two that I would pick out. So, James, uh, as I mentioned, two things to round off the Scarlet's game. Um, the first, um, any thoughts on the 
uh, Jake Ball hit on Faf de Klerk, which maybe probably should have been a red card. I think that's the last we're going to see of Jake Ball in the Northern Hemisphere. I think he's going to be banned for quite a while. Um, they're obviously going into the Rainbow Cup in the Pro 14, uh, and then he's back off to Australia. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to see him again. That was disgraceful. So, ju- so, so, yeah, just to you know, get the subtext in there, you think it should have been a red card? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely a red card. I mean, you know, compared to some of the things we've seen, like Luke James sort of just, you know, tickled someone's bloody cheek um, and then and, and got a yellow, and, and that wasn't picked up by the TMO. I mean, the TMO must have just been, you know, too busy lighting their cigar and making sure that their feet were nice and comfortable up on the desk because I don't know how that was missed. You know what? It's like you're completely right, but there is a there is a point here that it is woeful to be in a European competition, the highest level of European competition, the televised game, last game of the weekend, in a last sixteen knockout match. To get that wrong is insane because every weekend that's a bread and butter in the Premiership now. And I don't know about the Pro Fourteen because we, I can't watch it at the moment, and I don't know about the Top uh, Fourteen in France because again can't watch it, but. The fact that there's this disconnect between what's going on in the Premiership and what's going on in Europe is is insane. And I, I was just genuinely absolutely baffled because that's like week in, week out. You see that now. It's contact to the head, end of conversation. It's a yellow or red card, and, and that one was clearly a red card. Um, and I just think, you know, it's it's gone... It's not affected the result or whatever, but if a similar thing happens next week in La Rochelle, it's it's got to be addressed urgently, and that refereeing team, I think, it's absolutely TMO who has to call that in to Raynell. But you know, if there's a screen in the ground, surely he sees it as well. And what I can't understand is they said, "Oh, we need to check whether the ball was out." So they clearly looked at the replay. So there is like to have that standard of poor officiating from the refereeing team is just really, really worrying because, yeah, it won't affect us. It hasn't affected us in this game. It probably won't affect us. But somewhere, a team will go out of this competition unjustly because of a bad call like that. And it's just so um, frustrating. But I think everyone everyone knew it was a red card, didn't they? And, and the good thing is that it's been highlighted on Twitter. But someone needs to get World Rugby on it and say, what the hell? You've, they released a new framework less than a month ago about head contact. So, you know, if three weeks later it's already gone to shit in your biggest competition probably in the world, what's the point? It's just a nonsense, and that's the end of my rant about it, but it's frustrating. Um, Not frustrating in the context of this game, but in the context of rugby generally. Um, It's just wrong. Very very well said, Alex. And then... uh... Moving from a negative topic to a final topic for the last one for, for Scarlet's James, I'm not asking Alex this because I already know what you'd say. Um, but what what were you feeling when you saw Rafi Kirk scamper over for his first senior try for sale uh, right at the end of the game? Yeah, it's just a great, you know, it might be a, a moment that we remember, really. I think he is going to be a good player. I think we're man- managing him absolutely perfectly at the moment. Sort of 15, 20 minute cameos. He's had one start and... People who think he's suddenly going to play for the Lions, like Alex, from that performance, I think are a little bit misguided. You know, I th- thought he played w- he did really well for a first ever start. But you know, it's a tough league, the Premiership. Uh, Champions Cup's tough. 
you know, but I, I think we've seen enough of him to think he could be an England contender for 2027. I think 2023 is definitely going to be too early. But what I like about him is he's, for, for literally 19, he's got a lot of physicality about his game, which, which works quite well for us because obviously we play Faf in that way as well. You can. I know there was a Telegraph article on this, but the similarities in how we're trying to get Quirk to play, the the kind of um, disruptor role that De Klerk does so well, it you can see again the kind of green shoots there. I don't think anyone really can can do it in the same way that De Klerk does, and it would be foolish to try and make you know Rafi Quirk a, a, a clone of, of De Klerk in a, in a lot of ways. I think that's the wrong idea, not least because they've got very different hairstyles, but. You know, you can see with how Quirk has been managed internally, the physicality that you've mentioned, James, the fact that he's been brought in at a time where he's ready for the rigours of, of Premiership Rugby, even if it's in short stints, I think is, is going to be really interesting to watch him develop because we know he's quick. We know he's got a very quick pass on him. It'd be very interesting to see how we can migrate our way of playing from the Clerk to Quirk over the uh, over the next couple of years, given their slightly different but similar skill sets. Um, and I think that's everything on, on Scarlet. So the reward for sale absolutely thumping uh, a top uh, a Pro 14 team uh, is obviously movement forward to the quarterfinals. How good is it to say that? The quarterfinals of the Champions Cup. Uh, however, they've got a very stern test uh, awaiting them uh, with a visit to our old friends, uh, La Rochelle at the Stade Marcel de Flandre. Uh, in France on Saturday afternoon, three o'clock kickoff here, four o'clock kickoff local. Um, so James, you know we we are as sale fans quite familiar with with La Rochelle. I had the pleasure of visiting a couple of years ago. An incredible atmosphere, incredible stadium, and an incredible club. But what can we expect from La Rochelle um, on Saturday? And as much as it pains me to say it, is this where Sale's Cinderella uh, run finishes? I mean, who, maybe, uh, but, you know, who knows? I mean, w- we know what they can bring. You saw it when you went to watch the game. It was one of the most brutal games that I can remember. I thought it was one of the best performances that Sale had put in for a very long time. We still came up a little bit short. Um, so, you know, look, they're, they're a very physical side and we're going to have to bring the same physicality as we brought against the Scarlets, but we ain't going to be just like flattening them. Flattening them. If anything, they, you know, it'll be one of, you know, one from us and then one from them. Um, form-wise, they're, they're having a very, very good season in the top 14. And we know if, that you know, we, we talk about the Premiership being a difficult, uh, you know, league, but the top 14 is just absolutely brutal. Uh, and they have been consistently performing now for quite a few years, you know, always in, in the playoffs, at the moment, you know, they look like they're going to be hopefully top two. So form-wise, since the turn of the year, they've, they've won away at Agen, home Bayonne, away at Toulon, which isn't easy, home against Stad, away against Bordeaux. We saw how well they played this weekend. So, that, you know, that's not, that's, that's not an easy one. And then away at Gloucester, obviously, most recently. The only games they've lost so far in 2021. And by the way, just by listing off those, you know, these these games shows how many games they play in the top fourteen as well. It's just absolutely relentless. So a bit like us, they're going to be completely sort of battle scarred, but battle hardened as well. So the games that they've lost uh, away at Racing, uh, home against Toulouse, and away at Castra, um, all of those they got a losing bonus point. You have to go back to November the fifteenth for them to have lost a game without a losing bonus point. Um, so a bit like us. 
they don't, if they do lose, they, they're within one score. Yeah, so we ain't going to be having 50 points to 14 or whatever. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, you know, they've got a big, massive pack. That has not changed. Uh, Facundo Bosch, um, Argentinian's really sort of pit in his peak form. Now, Creevy's obviously uh, out the way. Montoya, we know, is at, at Leicester and finding his feet. But Facundo Bosch is in excellent form for, for La Rochelle. Hits his man, does the simple things really well. Will Skelton's obviously a monster. We know that from his time at, at Saracens. Got himself really fit, can play for the 80 minutes now. So, you know, we're really going to have to do that. But they're also mobile. I think that's the scary thing about La Rochelle is they're really powerful, but they're really mobile. They're not one of these static French packs that just sort of move around the pitch. You know, people like Danny Prizo, Kevin Gordon at, set, at, at seven, uh, Victor Vito, you know, he might be 35 or something now, but he is still like properly mobile. They had uh, Aldrich coming off the bench at the weekend, <laughs> but I expect him to start at eight. Um so, you know, that back row, I mean, the Dupreas and Curry are going to have to be absolutely on it. John O'Ross is if he's back because Gordon, Vito, Aldrich, there ain't much better than that in possibly world rugby. Uh, that could easily play international level rugby, that that back row, no problem. Uh, no Rates, he's gone off to Montpellier this year. So, you know, he is a bit of a loss in terms of in terms of back three. Bryce Doolan, we know, has, has come into the, into the back three of La Rochelle. Didn't play, I don't think, at the weekend. Uh, but again, you can imagine him coming back into the team. They've got the New Zealanders at, at half-back. Um, I mean, Jules Plisson has been having a really good year for them as well as a secondary uh, uh, fly-half option. He's sort of been revitalised under O'Gara at, at La Rochelle after his move from Stad, where you know he went from being like a potential French player to sort of like just sort of losing his way. And the thing about Plisson as well is if he does come on, he's just kick it from everywhere. Uh, and including in, in his own half. So we'll have to be really honest in terms of giving away penalties because let's be honest, we're going to be put under pressure. We're going to be put under pressure. We're not under pressure at all at any point in the in the Scarlets game. So when you're under pressure and you're going backwards, are we going to make mistakes? Are we going to give away penalties? That's one thing that I think we'll learn a lot about Sale this week against uh, uh, La Rochelle. But the, 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 the head-to-head that I think we're all looking forward to is Bottier against Van Rensburg. <laughs> which has got the potential to be absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, that's my head-to-head uh, for this week. The question for you guys is, I mean, we've tried and tried again against La Rochelle, um, but away from home, we've come up short. Um, how do we beat them this time? Well, I think confidence, isn't it? You know, we've let's not forget this is a team that we beat at the AJ Bell. Um, a couple of seasons ago we lost by seven points away from home in a fifth round pool game when we were already out of the competition Um, and we lost by what was it four points in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup um, when we were uh, a side in our infancy Um, and I think we have to just take the the confidence from look at where we were last time we played this side. You know, we did, we played the same style of the game. Our style of the game hasn't changed massively, but our execution was nowhere near what it was this weekend and no one, nowhere near what it has been certain times this week. You know, we've gone to Bristol, we've shut them down. We've gone to Scarlet's, we've shut them down. We've beaten Exeter at home. I think, you know, it's a hell of a challenge, but, 
we are we've got more than enough to meet it. And you know, yes, it's easy to get carried away after scoring fifty seven points away in in Wales, but you know, we know their threats. Sanderson will prepare as well for those threats. We've just got to have the confidence that we've got a World Cup winner, a World Cup finalist, probably going to start for us. You know, we've we've played this side before. We know we know how they're going to play. We know what they're going to bring. Can we execute well enough to shut it down? And and you know that's all you can sort of uh, all you can ask, isn't it? To go out and if we all we have to do is play the, the same way and the same intensity we did this week. Um, La Rochelle will have much more quality. They'll get around the outside of us. It'll be a harder mental challenge because they will score points. And, you know, if we rush up on the outside, Bottier might find a way to get the ball to the winger who will then score. And that will happen. But if if we can bounce back from that and, and still play the way we have played and get our strike runners into space, then, you know, Gloucester are not a good side. They're playing better. But... It was by no means convincing on Friday night, was it? It, it wasn't a foregone conclusion or game. I think Gloucester had Barton at ten, who's you know had virtually no senior rugby. So, oh, just confidence. That's all. And I hope that we go there with almost not an expectation of winning, but certainly a knowledge that we can do it. Because face it, the rugby media will say, say I played a very poor Scarlet side from a very poor Pro uh, Fourteen League. They were they got a decent win, but they've not got a chance away at La Rochelle. So, you know, I think we'll still fly under the radar, and uh, we've just got to go out there and and try and shock everyone again. I think, haven't we? I, I think you're right in that it's a confidence thing. Um, in that you, you kind of can't. There's nowhere to kind of hide against a team like La Rochelle. Um, you kind of need to go, especially when you're travelling away. You, you do have to go out to, and play to win, as, as James said. You know, they're a team that's going to score a lot of points, so you can't go and, and try and hope for a uh, a nine six or whatever but there's kind of two there's two areas that i kind of want to highlight that i think will be slightly different to the scarlet's game um the the, the first is probably in la rochelle's favor which is the scrum i think um if we can get a similar sort of outcome from the scarlet's game in that it was a lot of rugby being played not a lot of stoppages not a lot of set piece time that's going to work in our favor because i think that will be an area that la rochelle will target Especially with their front row, you know, Uni Antonio will 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 fancy his chances against um, Bevan Rod. Danny Prizo will fancy his chances against Will Gutron, etc. It's an area that Sale are, are, are pretty solid at, but it's not certainly not a strength. Whereas La Rochelle could really turn the screw there. Conversely, the other area what to highlight is probably in the halfbacks. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, who La Rochelle opt for. But you know, uh, away at Gloucester, they, they started um, Kerbalo at nine and Ahia West at ten. Um, both are very, very handy players. Um, but it's you know, Ahia West is you know seventh or eighth on on the All Blacks depth chart and and never got remotely close to playing Test rugby. To where Kerbalo has you know a handful of caps and is kind of in that that sort of lower bracket as well. You know, and I think it's probably one of the areas where we might have a bit of an advantage um, in that, you know, De Klerk, if he can get in Kerbalo's face, Kerbalo's got a lot of speed, but again, you know, De Klerk can rile him, do a lot of chasing around the fringes and around the, the around the back of the scrum, which he did really well uh, against Scarlett and, and put some pressure on. You know, Kerbalo, you know, it can force him into some mistakes and, you know, that then prevents, uh, you know, the likes of Bottier and Dumaru and, and the rest of them getting in, getting involved in the game. So if I'm Sanderson, my game plan is is targeting that nine and ten. 
axis. Um, and also, you know, Ohio, Ohio West, you know, a very talented player, but a little bit erratic, you know, and it will be interesting to see whether or not they go for, for Jules Pielson, um on, on Saturday, even as somebody who's a bit more of a metronomic kicker. Ohio West has, has historically struggled with, with his kicking slightly in, in Super Rugby at least. Um, and, and again, you know, it's going to be, uh, a, a, I think, a litmus test for how far someone like AJ McGinty will take us because, you know, away in France, you need us to kick points where, as and when they're available. If McGinty can kick six out of seven or, or, you know, seven out of nine, that's going to put us in a really good position to win. And actually, if we can get into a bit of a kicking battle with uh, with, with La Rochelle in terms of kicking, kicking sticks... Um, that's going to be slightly in our favour as well. I, I think based on the form of those two players, so I think there's there's an area to, to certainly avoid playing playing La Rochelle, and there's an area where I, potentially uh, you know we can target. And I think that those are the two that that kind of come to mind. James, is there anything else that you think we should be wary of um, from from this La Rochelle team um, based on you know kind of how Sale will prepare for the game? Yeah, I think it's just make sure the machine the machine turns up again. I think, you know, mentally when you've when you've had a walkover like that, getting yourself to the same level of intensity is quite difficult to pick yourself up week on week. That's why the guys at international level struggle as well. You saw England drop off after the French game. It is just genuinely really difficult. So I think we're going to have to battle against that. So we might rotate a couple, just a couple. And I don't think we're going to see like four or five, but maybe one or two might come in. Um, and then the other thing is that machinery of defence, because where La Rochelle are really dangerous is when the game just starts to break up, they do win that collision, they just keep going, and then they're flinging offloads, and it's just all a bit silly, um, and, and then they smash you. Um, so we need to make sure that we stop them, because actually, for me, what they lack a little bit is a kicking game out of hand. Um, it, will, it will be a bit better when Bryce Dulan comes back in, um, but I don't think West, Kerbala, you know, Botti is not going to be, you know, these aren't going to be great kickers. So I'm just thinking if we get into a tactical battle there with McGinty and Sam James, I think we, we could benefit from um, that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think if we defend well and aggressively, then if McGinty kicks his goals and Sam James and McGinty manoeuvre us around the pitch, I do think we've got a chance. Would you keep... Dupriya, Dupriya Curry in the back row as the big selection call. I think he, I think he'll probably bring Ross back, but it all depends around. I don't know if he's got concussion issues or whatever it is, uh, but I think Ross will probably come back in. Whether I'd make that decision now that they're on a bit of a roll, I don't know. But you can't just keep picking the same players. They need a bit of rotation. Jean Luc has now played three in a row. Uh, they did take him off early, I think, to probably try and protect him for this week. Um, but I imagine that even if he does play this week, you won't, we won't see him at all in the match day squad the week after. Alex, any other selection decisions you think are, are worth highlighting? I think the the question is whether you stick with the same team, isn't it? Because you could argue that, you know, I mean, I thought Sam Hammersley had a really good game at fullback, actually, but is Luke James a bit more of a solid choice against a, a, that La Rochelle team? Um, I think it's hard to look past McGregor and Yard on the wings, the centre partnership and the, the half-backs. Again, hard to look past. So, yeah, it's probably up front where the, the the choices are to be made. But you look at the way that pack performed, it's, again, so hard to drop any of them. Um, and I think, you know, that's the question. Do, uh, do we have faith in them again? The one thing I would say is it's key to have Faftclerk and AJ playing because I think it sounds strange, but if we keep La Rochelle in their heart off, 
like we did with um, Scarlet, like we did with Bristol away, like we did with that Saracens when we would beat them at home when they were kind of in their pomp, then, you know, our defence is good enough to keep them out. So it's about having that tactical kicking game. There's not going to be as much space in the backfield as there was uh, this weekend. But I think keeping Faf and, and AJ in that team is the key because if we can get them, you know, fast box kicking at the moment, it's just superb. And if we can continue to rely on that and stay out of our own half against La Rochelle, then we'll give ourselves every chance because they will try and attack from anywhere. But fundamentally, it, how, how many defences in Europe are they going to have come up that are as, as good as ours? Yeah, quite few, I think. I think we should rightly feel confident that our defence is one of the best in in Europe, we all know that our attack is the the issue, um, but we've just come off a game where we scored fifty seven points. So, you know, if you can't be confident after that, then then when can you? But yeah, Faf and AJ is the key for me, and if they perform, then it could be a very very exciting game. Um, you know, I still think La Rochelle might have a little bit too much, but if we can go and put on a show and, and show the European rugby world that we're here to stay, then. Uh, that'll still be a hell of a result, considering we lost both pool games. You've, you've nearly already done it there, but uh, prediction for, for Saturday then? Uh, I reckon it'll be very similar scoreline to that Challenge Cup semi-final. So I'm going to go La Rochelle 23, Sale 19. Um, I do think we will score some tries. They will clearly score some tries. I just think... I think they're in. They're a little bit ahead in their sort of journey as to where they are. You know, Ronan O'Gara has been a, Ronan O'Gara has been in there a bit longer than Sanderson's been with us. The quality of their players. Um, so yeah, but I, I I think we'll give a, a really good account of ourselves either way. Yeah, similar. I, I, yeah, I've got to say twenty four eighteen or something like that. I, I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll turn up, um, but it's a big ask. Yeah, twenty seven twenty two to La Rochelle is, is my prediction. We did all predict that uh, Scarlets would beat us with all their internationals, though, so don't listen to us. What do we know? Exactly. Um, but if you do enjoy listening to us, uh, great news, because we're going to be back next week. Regardless of what happens uh, in La Rochelle on Saturday, we'll be here next week to talk about uh, the outcome of Sale's uh, European adventure, whether or not that's uh, a quarterfinal exit or whether or not it's progression to the semifinals. Um, and that's it for the show this week. Big thank you, as always, to Alex and James. Big thank you to everyone um, who sent us three-word reviews. Um, and if you're not already, sign up to the Patreon. We're releasing bonus episodes on there. That's BBC News for you. Um, I'll have to edit that one out. Is that the breaking news that we're releasing episodes on Patreon now? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, it is, funnily enough. Um, Laura Koonsberg's all over it. Um, so yeah, as uh, as uh, as the Beeb has uh, pointed out, we're releasing bonus episodes on Patreon. Uh, we've done a Six Nations review, um, which uh, was a lot of fun to record. Um, and the next one in the pipeline is an academy uh, a look at Sales Academy pipeline and prospect, which is always a topic of the day where with Sale involved. Um, and that's everything from from me. Um, Alex, James, anything from your side before we sign off? Yeah, I know we've we not got time to discuss it in detail now. We'll probably do it as we go back into the Premiership, but losing Lude Diaga uh, for the season uh, and then, you know, possibly losing him for the Lions series is just a shame for rugby. Uh, obviously, it's a blow for Sale, but uh, for, for rugby, it's, it's probably even worse, I'd say. 
So we just hope that he gets better as soon as possible and is certainly back for uh, the start of next season. Yeah, um, best wishes to Leeds. And oh, I'm just so excited for next Saturday at 3pm. Um, it's probably a good job we're the first game so that we don't have to worry all weekend about whether we're going to be through. But yeah, just best of luck. I mean, I'm, I know no one listens but uh, from the squad as far as we know. But if anyone does... Best of luck, but uh, just uh, I think we just have to remember as fans to enjoy it because you know the last time we were in a quarter final at this level was uh, away to Biarritz, wasn't it, in two thousand six? So it doesn't come around that often. Um, so I think we just enjoy it, whatever happens. Although I can guarantee I will be shouting at the telly for uh, at least two hours on Saturday afternoon uh, when everything goes wrong or right or whatever happens. Um, but yeah, how exciting to be at this stage. Um, yeah, just buzzing for it. 